This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, proudly sponsored by Mini Quiz. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and today my guest is Jason Peters. Before we get to the show, I'd really appreciate if you enjoy what you hear today to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and hit one of the links on the front page. Okay, Jason, he's still drummer for Pumpkinhead as they reform for a special gig as part of this year's Go Live Festival. Now, I consider the band an integral part of the early 90s Christchurch music scene. Pumpkinhead were captivating and full-on and mesmerising and really going places until they weren't. So this week, we find out from Jason what life was like on the way up and what he might have done differently if he had that time again. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. Jason, when was the first time in your life that you, um, you remember hearing or discovering music? I reckon it was, I would have been like eight, nine years old. And mm-hmm. my, my parents, uh, their record collection was like, mum's was like ABBA and the Beatles. And the old man was into country western. So he was like Johnny Cash, Conway Twitty and all of that. So they used to play, play those records all the time. And then, and then I remember um, listening to the radio a lot and just, just loving music you know, from, from there. But I remember when I, I, I first got into drumming, um, specifically was at uh, primary school. There was a, there was a dude rocking around called Clary Light. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember him. Used to go I do remember him. Te- te- teaching at all the schools. And anyway, he did a concert. I was sitting right up at the front at lunchtime and he did a huge drum solo right in front of me. Uh, it was just part of his, his whole show. And I was just like, that's it, man. I'm going to be a drummer. I think I was about 13. So were mum and dad into it? Yes and no. <laughs> they were like um, supportive to a point, but they just didn't want a whole lot of noise, you know, as parents mm-hmm. do back, mm-hmm. back then. I kind of took it up with Clary for a little bit, actually, and then I dropped it, got into BMX racing for a few years, as you do in the 80s, and then um, I picked up the sticks again when I was 18. And that's when I bought my first kit from uh, Charlie, CJ's. Were mum and uh, dad musical at all? They listened to music and appreciated it, but they weren't, they weren't musicians at all. In fact, no one in my family were except me. I seemed to just, just um, latch onto it. And was it always the drums? Any other instruments? Any uh, singing? Uh, singing badly, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's always been the drums. I mean, I've done a little bit of uh, BVs. I actually uh, did backing vocals on one of the Pumpkinhead songs, believe it or not. It was Home. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, uh, in my other project, Kong Fui, over the years I've done a few BVs. But it's definitely percussion and drums for me. What was the first group that you got involved with, I presume, post 18 years of age? Drum kit in hand. Uh, that would have been... Um, uh, would have been a hard rock group called Tempest in, Tempest, in Christchurch. Okay. And uh, it was with Vaughan, um, who ended up joining Pumpkinhead on bass with me. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, we just did a whole lot of uh, hard rock and metal covers from memory. <laughs> Where were you playing uh, in Tempest um, back in the day? We played in Littleton a bit, Heathcote Valley Inn. Do you remember that? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we played there. Um, I remember we played to, uh, one of our first shows, we played there and we played to like 20 people and I was absolutely packing myself. Why was that? I was just nervous. This is the first time I played in front of people. We'd practiced in the garage a, a lot. Okay. You know, you don't, and, and as soon as you get an audience, it's a whole different thing, you know? So was it just the BMX? What sort of music were you listening to at that point? Back then, it was like, uh, I, I really loved U2. Like okay. I was, I was, um, I was smashing Unforgettable Fire, um, uh, Under a Blood Red Sky. I was right into that. I was into Queen. I was into mm -hmm. a lot of st uh, uh, top 40 stuff off the radio too. I used to listen to Casey Kasem and then record yep. yes. record on my parents' stereo uh, to cassettes and annoy the yeah. shit out of them, clicking and rewinding, clicking and rewinding, trying to do these compilation tapes. You know, A lot of those groups you've talked about, the, the U2s and the Queens, a lot of anthemic rock there. So what sort of like took you over to the semi-dark side? <laughs> as it were, the sort of raw, grunty, full-on stuff. I, I'm not sure. You know, I think it was a little bit of a crossover. Um, I'm embarrassed to say, but it was that hair metal phase mm. where, it, for me, it kind of bridged the pop elements of music that I love with the heavy side of it. Yeah. So especially in the 80s with um, all of those bands, Bon Jovi and yep. uh, Motley Crue, uh, Cinderella, there, there were a whole stack of them. That's when I, I sort of jumped into heavier music and really appreciating heavy music, but with a kind of yeah. a sort of pop, hard rock element. And I guess it wasn't really until the 90s uh, when I discovered Nirvana, Mudhoney, that I jumped again towards mm -hmm. a more heavy alternative yeah. sort, of, sort of thing, you know. So out of Tempest, um, where to from there? Uh, from Tempest, it was straight into Pumpkinhead. It was, okay. it was basically, um, I'd left that band and went to the rock shop on Cashel Street, looking through the classifieds on the board, and there was a greasy fish and chip pack. Aaron had put it up there and he'd listed all these cool bands that he was into. So I contacted him. He'd come yep. over to my uh, mum's house. I was still living over there and um, had my drum kit in my bedroom which was awesome, and he, wow. he basically just said, what do you got? <laughs> so I played. He was obviously impressed enough to um, say, hey, do you want to come and jam with me and Brent? Yep. So him yes. and Brent were living in, in Addington. And so I said, um, they, he wanted a bass player too, so I roped in Vaughan from Tempest. I said, mate, do you uh -huh. want to go and check these guys out? So that's how it all kicked off. What sort of groups were on that greasy fish and chip pack? The memory's hazy, but there was definitely Mud Honey, there was Smashing yeah. Pumpkins, and I think there was Nirvana. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So very much that, that grunge kind of vibe. Because yeah, but we're talking like 1990 or something. Wasn't yeah. there a funk element to Pumpkinhead early on? There was, and that influence definitely would have come from like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, yep. 
maybe faith no more, especially the early mm-hmm. stuff. And yes, yes, of, yes. Yeah, and some of the funk metal bands that were cruising around back in that yeah. time yeah. sort of creeped in. But the, that band, um, Pumpkinhead, kind of had two sides. It had that, that fun sort of heavy with a bit of funk and groove, and then it had the, the sort of heavy pop, sort of more, more melodic side to it mm-hmm. too. So it, yeah. was, it, was, it was an interesting beast, really. It is time for some music. Um, and at this point, I do ask um, about something from an influence. Um, we did have a chat before this. And uh, a group, an amazing group that you haven't talked about is is Soundgarden. How important was Soundgarden to you? Yeah, they were huge. They were huge. Um, I actually started listening to their first EPs. I think it was Screaming Life and Fop. And mm. they come out. I think it was late 80s when that came out. And then Louder Than Love, I just jumped onto that and loved it. Um, and then, of course, Bad Motor Finger, and that just blew my mind. I was just like, this yep. band just keep getting better and better and better. And better. Um, yep. And, and um, Chris's vocals enough, progressing as well. Ah, oh, just the whole band and Matt's drumming. I, I, we went to the first big day out. We flew up to it in 94. And Soundgarden did an impromptu uh, concert, a uh, sideshow, and they just announced it the night before at the power station. And someone told us we were staying at um, uh, Backpackers or somewhere, and we, we bought tickets straight away, and of course it sold out just instantly. So we got in, and um, I remember the, uh, the sound guy we went up and chatted to the sound guy just because we were super excited and said, how are you? And he's this big, big, uh, gruff New York guy. He's really friendly. And um, I think he took a little bit of a liking to my girlfriend at the time, but he, he basically said, hey, do you guys want to come backstage after the show? And we're like, hell yes, let's do it. So we, we watched that show, which was absolutely incredible and still one of the best rock shows I've ever been to. And I've been to so many shows. And yeah. then just such a buzz to go and meet the guys afterwards and hang out. And they're all super lovely. Um, yep. Super lovely guys, you know, down to earth. And we're just chatting our heads off about music for the whole night. It was, um, it was awesome. What track are we going to hear, Jason? I think we go with Rusty Cage.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, we've heard about the best gig ever. Has anything come close in the intervening how many years, 25 years or so? Uh, there's, there's been a lot of, lot of other awesome shows, I'd say. I mean, talking about that big day out in 94, Head Like a Hole absolutely mm -hmm. blitzed their set at that show. They were amazing. It's um, they were incredible. Um, Faith No More, I've seen quite a few times, and we supported them. They they were awesome as well. And another band I love, a, a Kiwi band called Shehard, who I've seen many times. Um, yeah, they're they've, not bad. They just cane it live. It's so good. Uh, they were on the same label as us too, so it was awesome. What was the first gig, first big gig you ever saw? This is embarrassing, but it was Nick Kershaw. Okay, um, down by the river, there's a hole yeah, in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first that. show as an international show. It was at the Christchurch Town Hall. Who um, took you to that? Oh, it was a, it was a, a mate of mine, a neighbour. We we're, were into our top 40 sort of new wave shit, you know. Uh, seen some really, really awesome bands um, back then too, like In Excess at the, uh, mm -hmm. at the Town Hall, which was amazing. Yep. Yeah, uh, Jenny Morris was um, supporting, and she was the the backup singer. And Huda Gurus, there were there were a lot of great shows back then. When you're, let's go back to eighteen, and you're playing, and there's Tempest, and there's Pumpkinhead, and so on. What was the Christchurch music scene like? What were the um What were the top venues in town? The main ones were McCarthy's Bar uh, at Warner's, and where we played a lot yes. there, and we played a lot there yep. with other local bands. Uh, yep. Like Love's Ugly Children and One Four Seven Swordfish. Four Seven Swordfish. It yeah. seems just this, you know, holy trinity. Yeah. Because I remember you guys playing at Canterbury University as well, around about ninety two. Okay. Ninety three. Probably yeah. my first and only foray into um, stage diving. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I was actually going to say the Canterbury University, like some of those orient orientation gigs were amazing. Um, that was a great venue. Had a lot of touring bands through there. Uh, Caledonian Hall, that was another great yes. great venue. The big yeah. question here is, and one of my all-time favourite gigs ever, 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 was you guys supporting Faith No More at the Caledonian Hall. And if you're a fan of Garden of Sound, then you probably heard me talk ad nauseum about this. How did that gig come about? How did that support gig come about? So John McCarthy, who owned... Um uh, the McCarthy's Bar and Warners. He was the promoter for that show, and he asked us and another band called Thomas, and we obviously we jumped at it. And yeah, that was that was such such a cool show. Um, Who brought them to the country? I'm not sure. I think they were on a break. They were on a world tour, and then okay. something happened, and I heard they just diverted to New Zealand, and they and they decided to do some. Uh, I guess small shows for them back then. Yeah. Because they were playing Queenstown. I think they did yep. Wellington, Auckland and Christchurch. So, um, and I, I think, I don't know, Caledonia Hall, was that about a thousand? Sort of max. 600 to a thousand, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 things are a little hazy. Yeah, yeah, true. But um, I was so excited to play that show and I remember, I remember drumming... Um, through our set and and looking over stage right and seeing Mike Patton and Billy Gould yeah. looking at us watching us yep. play, 
yep. you know, almost dropped one of my drumsticks. I was just like, holy, holy moly, just, just, just breathe, pretend they're not there. You know? One of my lasting memories um, outside of that three minutes with Faith No More froze on stage was your cover of Counting the Beat. Ah, yeah. How often did you play that? Have you played it since? Are you going to be playing it on the 24th of July? You never know. We might dust that old... <laughs> I that, strongly suggest you do. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I don't know who suggested that, but uh, we kind of did a, a, our own version of it. It was kind of... Absolutely. A, a, a little bit more punky, but it was it was slowed down, actually. So we, yeah. we put a bit of meat on the bones on that one, but that was always yeah. fun to play. We... Uh, we also did Adults and Children by the Gordons, and that was a, okay. a, a Vaughan, our bass player, was a big fan uh, of the Gordons. And some of those guys um, went on to do Belter Space, I believe. But okay. That was fun, that song. But yeah, Counting the Beat, that's a, the Kiwi classic, huh? How did things progress from there? I guess, uh, well, we did, we did some stuff with Rob Mays on Avalanche, which, which was amazing. He... He did the the EP compilation with us, Love's Ugly Children, Lurch, One Four Seven, and Super Tanker, and he did another compilation called Good Things as well. Then we we flew up to Auckland and we played a ninety five BFM festival hmm. uh, with She Hard and I'm trying to think who else, Headless Chickens, and a bunch of other guys, and we played a show. I actually had a terrible show on the kit. I remember Tom Larkin mm. standing side stage and I was so embarrassed. My kit keep moving around. I was missing yeah. symbols. I was just like yeah. devastated. But anyway, Murray Kamek seemed to think we were awesome. He was in the crowd. And not too long after that, he contacted us and he was interested in signing us to Wildside. Okay. So he flew down and we had a bit of a meeting and he laid everything out. And he was running Rip It Up magazine back then. Of mm-hmm. course, um, t- two of my favourite bands, were, um, Head Like a Hole and She Harbour, on his label too. So it was kind of a no-brainer. We just jumped in. And uh, we were going to be uh, distributed by Festival, which was a big deal back then because they um, we had a really sizable recording budget and they could really promo us. And back then it was all about the CD and the cassette. Yep. Yep. You know, very different times. So at that point in time, when everything's looking super exciting and so on, what was the big plan? Where did you want to go? Where did you want to play? What did you want to do? I don't know if there was a plan. We just wanted to really play as much as we could. And, and, and Murray really pushed that side because he had seen Head Like a Hole and She Hard do the same thing. He was just... Any opportunities we could get, we would take them. Uh, we mm. had some amazing opportunities. We got to um, support Primus and uh, Fugazi at the Caledonian Hall. And then we got to play um, Big Day Art in 95 and Main Stage in 96. So mm. uh, any opportunity that came our way and we played as much as we could and we toured as much as we could. And, and it was super exciting. I hadn't really been up to the North Island before, believe it or not, Shel- sheltered Kaipoi boy that I am. So getting to just roll around to all these brand new places all over the North Island for the first time and, and record with Phil Rudd 
at uh, his studio in Tauranga from ACDC. It was just, mm. it was blowing my mind back then. It was just like, I couldn't believe it, you know, it was really cool. It is time for some music. Uh, I do ask for a favourite track. Um, anything that we can bash out right now, Jason? Should we go Faith No More, Land of Sunshine? Let's do it. Yeah. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. We're going to play a pumpkin head track by the name of Nark. Um, how did this track come about, Jason? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where this one came from. And, and I remember Aaron really couldn't stand the song, but we ended up recording it and it, and it did pretty well. I mean, it was the last song we recorded in 96 with Malcolm Wellsford at York Street. Rest in peace. Yeah, where she had recorded some incredible albums there too. So, um, yeah, I don't know how that that song came about, but it's there. What was the general Pumpkinhead putting a song together vibe? We helped out in some of the lyrics and some of the songs just to to be helpful. Like I wrote some of the lyrics to I Like. Um, mm-hmm. added a little bit into um, NARC as well and Aaron helped yep. Um, yep. he obviously wrote I like and I sort of contributed a few lines so we all sort of helped in, in that department but Brent definitely wrote you know the lion's share of, of mm-hmm. the lyrics but musically um, most of the riffs would come from uh, Aaron or, or Jason Harmon who was our original guitarist mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. then and then we'd just build on that, and I, I would help, well, the whole band would help structure the songs as they go. That was pretty much how it rolled. So was that your best recording session uh, or recording period with um, with Pumpkinhead at York Street? It was a good session. Um, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. recording Sloth with yep. with Phil at, at, on his farm. Um, yeah, That was an amazing experience because we were, we were living... At the studio, basically sleeping yeah. above in the loft. Yep. And every morning, my alarm clock was Phil Rudd tuning my kid up for the day's recording, which was pretty cool. Okay. And um, yeah, Dave Wernham, he, he uh, produced and engineered that album as well mm-hmm. and with the band. And Brent had a lot to do with that album. And, and um, that was pretty enjoyable. It was pr- pretty exciting. And we just completely focused on that recording. Mm-hmm. The whole whole time we're there because we're on a farm. We're on a kiwi fruit farm. Yep. There's nowhere to go, you know. So being in the big smoke, more to do, more to distract you, and so on. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, we only recorded one song there, so it was it was pretty quick. I remember we got yeah. DLT in to do some live scratching. Okay. So he actually features on 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 Narc, which yeah. was awesome. Um, That's lovely guy too. Quite cool, diversifying, you know. Yeah, instead of finding DLT. Yeah, exactly. And instead of finding, you know, that's how it rolled back then. Instead of finding a yep. sample, you'd mm-hmm. actually get a DJ and he set his decks up and and yep. that everything you hear recorded in that song. That's that's DLT. So we we were stoked. So what is your favorite part of Narc? I actually enjoy the choruses. Yeah, I think that I think that really catchy. I, I love the drumming on that. That's a that's a. That's definitely got a funk, funk groove running through there. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's just a lot of fun, and we had a lot of fun um, recording the video to that, which we did in Ponsonby up in Auckland. Yeah. And um, I remember Dave, uh, Dave Hunt, who's now uh, Francis Hunt. He refused to be the grandmother at the end of the shot, who was re- who was basically the neighbour that the SWAT team bust in on. So I said, look, I'll do it. Even though I had a full goatee, I put, put cushions up in my chest 
and uh, I was the old lady next door, so that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a fun song, and we'll, we'll definitely be playing that in July, I'd imagine. Super cool. Yeah. Let's hear it. Cause I know what they're asking Moving across the floor like Michael Jackson Hit the flushing button and I beat it by a fraction Just like Judas Priest, I was breaking the law But it wasn't the heat, was the man next door is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. Um, uh, rise and fall and all of that kind of thing, looking back X amount of years ago, uh, 25 years ago or wow. thereabouts. Anything that you would do differently if you were passing on to advice uh, to, a, to a younger person or even yourself at that age? It's, it's, it's always hard when you're inside a band and you're just so close to it. 
and you're so passionate and you've got five different personalities that don't always align. I, I would say have a lot of patience and trying to have more patience and a little bit more empathetic with people. It's, it's a little bit difficult when you're, when you're younger too because I think you're quite headstrong, you know, and uh, people have strong opinions. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we, we had such a great time and we can't wait to play again in July and we just kind of, we just have fond memories now, you know. Everything's water under the bridge and and we uh, when you're a bit older you do look back and wish you'd, you'd you'd dealt with things a little bit differently and we maybe didn't disband the band mm-hmm. so quickly but it, that was the way that it, the cards rolled you know so is there any element of mentoring in anything you're doing these days no mentoring um but there's mm-hmm. just just a lot of lessons learnt along the way um yeah. Uh, I've, I've worked on a few different projects, uh, musical projects. Uh, one's Kong Fui, which I was the producer for, collaborating, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a funk, soul, hip-hop project, which was a lot of fun. It was kind of quite a departure. But I'm, I'm a big fan of funk, funk music, have been yep. for years. So I was kind of buzzed to produce that. And then the other one uh, uh, was a band in Auckland I got into um, called Hunt the Witch, was like a heavy stoner rock band, which was a lot of mm. fun. Yeah. And I uh, made some good good friends through that as well. And now um, my wife and I have just started a touring company called Wax Star Touring. So we're starting to get into the production side Super of cool. uh, putting on shows. Rock music shows. It'll be everything, everything, really. Anything yep. that spins our wheels. The first show we're putting on is a Christchurch band called Dillustrate. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. H and uh, Tim, we're getting those guys up. The show's um, next Friday, actually, and we've got Lawton Cora wow. guesting with them. We've got Jimmy Cara, yep. who did all of the um, uh, Ahori Buzz, uh, sorry, Aaron Tokata tribute shows last year. So, And I'm doing a little DJ set, too, which will be fun. So, so yeah, man, we're just looking at anything that we deem be, uh, being awesome and, and good quality, you know. Any unfulfilled musical desires? I, I mean, I've I've been so fortunate, you know. We got to we got to play with Faith No More three times. We did that gig at Kelly, then we did the King for a Day shows in Wellington and mm. Auckland. Um, the Kelly show, I I only got to meet Jim Martin, and I was gutted I didn't get to meet meet the rest of the guys. But okay. um, the King for a Day tour, I got to actually hang out with them a bit, especially the drummer who's a big influence of mine, Mike Borden, and super lovely guy. And got to meet some, uh, quite a few of my heroes, Danny Carey uh, from Tall and Herb from Primus, as far as drumming heroes. um, Yeah. A lot of musicians along the way. You know, I just pinched myself. One of of the times, uh, I think we played at the 96 Big Day Out, and I'm standing next to Nick Cave shooting the breeze, and we're just watching Tricky side stage yeah. you know i could have pinched myself eh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um we're gonna go and uh pay some bills and we're gonna come back and play mini quiz there's only one way to settle this there is another way 
Visit midiquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quizzed in your neighborhood really is. Miniquiz.com. Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9 and it is time for mini quiz. Uh, Jason, you're going to have 10 questions. You're going to have 60 seconds to answer those 10 questions. Uh, if you don't know the answer, just say pass and say pass quickly. Okay. Folks don't generally get right to the end. Um, more than one correct will be great. Um, currently top of the table, um, uh, Greg Haver is on six so oh, if you nice. can beat greg and uh christchurch artist caleb isaacs on six as well so if you can get seven and i think you've got a pretty good chance all right jason peters your mini quiz starts what was the name of the band that was formed in 1966 by ginger eric and jack cream dave Grohl from the foo fighters became famous with which band which split in 1994 Nirvana. Who's the male half of the Eurythmics? Stuart. More. Uh, I can't remember. Something Stuart. In which Dave US Stewart. state was Bruce? Dave Stewart. <laughs> In which US state was Bruce Springsteen born and raised? New Jersey. Which band released a '74 single entitled "Can I Sit Next to You, Girl"? Pass. In which year were New Zealand band Coconut Rough formed? I'm going to say 81. What's the nationality of the musician known as The Weeknd? Uh, English. Which English rock band sang the 2003 hit entitled 2 plus 2 equals 5? Pass. Okay, your time is up, but you've done you've done pretty well. We'll just go through those answers and uh, give you a score. Yes, Ginger, <laughs> Eric, and Jack, Cream, well done. Um, Nirvana, yes, of course, the band couldn't do anything but split. Really, well done. I will give you Dave Stewart. Even I just got that. We in had there, moved huh? on. To, <laughs> even though we'd moved on, yes, well done. Um, New Jersey, uh, you got that. I can't remember. Um, uh, Seventy-four single. Can I sit next to you, girl? Did you have an answer for that? No, I said pass. ACDC. Ah, um, in which year when you said a band Coconut Rough formed? You said 1981. Very close. It was 1982. Ah. Um, the weekend is Canadian. Canadian. Two and two equals five. That's Radiohead. Radiohead so four. Oh, well, four. That's pretty good. That's okay. Four, that's not bad. Not I mean, you're off and running and then yeah. it kind of, <laughs> kind of all fell apart. Okay, so uh, you are playing Christchurch Town Hall. Uh, it's part of the Go Live Festival and it's happening... Uh, Saturday, July 24th, said he, checking his calendar. That's the one. Um, That's yeah. correct. So uh, what did it take? Like a million dollars to get you guys back together? <laughs> you know was, it. <laughs> or was, um, that desire, was that desire still there to do it? I've been thinking about doing a reunion show since I put the um, 25th anniversary of Sloth together on vinyl. Uh, and And when that came about, um, I, I kind of floated it to some of the guys in the band just because I think it, thought it would be a really neat thing to do to mark the 25th mm. um, yeah. release, anniversary release of that album. 
But then all of that COVID stuff hit and kind of shut the whole world down. So that that got put on hold. And then I I, um, I think I spoke to Francis because we hang out a bit. He lives up in Auckland and we, and we started talking about it again. And I hit up Aaron and Vaughan and they, they were keen. And then it was just Brent who lives in Sydney. So logistically... Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's pretty busy over there. Can he do it? Is he keen? I rang him and we had a great conversation and he said he was he was into it. So and then from there, um, Mr a good friend of ours, Mark Royal, contacted us and said, What do you think? Do you think Pumpkinhead might might reform to play the show? And asked all the guys and everyone's keen, so there you go. We're gonna do it. I believe you're playing in the James Hay Theatre. Yeah, uh, if that's yeah. what it's known so as is, these days. Ever played there before? No. Is uh, is that has is that the same one from back in the day, or is that, has that been rebuilt? I, or I do not know. To my shame, um, yeah. I think it will be absolutely superb, yeah, and ideal, yeah. and amazing. I can't wait. Well, well, in we'll, addition to, we'll shake the foundations addition, of the James Hay Theatre. I'd imagine <laughs> not too much, though. Yeah, okay, yeah. not too much. Oh, yeah. We don't need any. Yeah, we've been not doing earthquake puns here, right? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, it's too much. Um, yeah. uh, Jason, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you and um, uh, reliving uh, some of those memories and looking forward to new memories, which is incredibly important. Um, one more track to play. Something from um, something from one of your more recent projects, Hunt the Witch. What should we listen to? Uh, I reckon Afterburner. That's a, okay. that's a this, pretty rocking track. Afterburner is about getting into your muscle car and um, and then <laughs> going as fast as you can along a desert road with your, your with music that you love absolutely blasting. That's pretty much what it's about. Wonderful afternoon, Jason. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. It's great to chat.
An additional two tracks of the week for you. I mentioned during the show that Pumpkinhead did a brilliant cover of Counting the Beat by The Swingers. I don't have that version, but the original is most certainly a classic. Joining Jason and the gang on the James Hay stage come July 24 is local lass Emma Dilemma. Here's her latest song, Cooperate. The moment that I first saw you, I was drawn to your outfit and your hair and eyes and shoes and everything that you were doing so I followed you. Stayed at least ten paces behind so you wouldn't notice me Until I was ready to be noticed by you
Thanks for joining me today on the show and thanks also to Jason Peters for being my guest. Head along to gardenofsound.nz, click on Jason's image on the front page and from there you can get tickets to see Pumpkinhead at the Go Live Festival July 24th. Huge thanks also to my show sponsor, MiniQuiz. You can find out more at miniquiz.com. I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Enohura. Uh-huh.